following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to rescue our soul, to rescue our soul. I've got a question as we celebrate Christmas Eve today. Are you prepared for eternity. Are you prepared for eternity uh, on this festive day? That's a tough question to ponder, right? It, 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 seems, kinda, it seems like a, a silly question to think about. But if you go through our history, human history, if you, if you think back of the dark days of War, War II, we think of the time when the, the tyrant Adolf Hitler was marching millions of people into concentration camps to be murdered. Well, it's amazing that during that time, a young lady by the name of Sophia Scholl, she was a German, she was a German student, but she was also an anti-Nazi resistance activist, a resistance activist. And she makes a great observation in a letter she wrote about eternity. In a letter she wrote to a friend just before she was executed in 1943 by the Nazis for high treason, she writes these words, people believe that we are living in the end times and many terrible signs make such a belief too credible. But isn't it irrelevant don't we all realize that no matter when we live, God can call us at a moment's notice? How do, how do I know if I'm even going to be alive tomorrow? Again, she wrote that in a, in a letter to a friend before she was executed. Uh, these, these words are certainly words that we all need to take to heart. All of us live on the edge of eternity. We all live on the edge of eternity. The Apostle Peter wrote these words about preparing for eternity. In 1 Peter 4, 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. And he goes on to say, For it is time for the judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, then what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The apostle Peter, the apostle realized that we are all accountable to God. He realized that we all have to answer to God. And when the apostle was talking about death and dying, he realized that that 
When we die, that doesn't end all things. The apostle realized that we are accountable to God and that, that we could be called home in a second. Our lives could be terminated in a second. Our existence on earth could, be, could end at a moment's notice. And, and I think we all kind of realize that. We don't, we don't think about that. But the question still remains, are you ready for that event? Are you prepared for, event, for an event like that? Now, some of us could be thinking to ourselves, well, that's just too much to worry about. That's too much for me to think about. When it happens, it happens. God knows that I've done my best. Some of us might be thinking, I'll try to live life to its fullest. God knows that I love him. I mean, I know Jesus, but I have a world to conquer. I have a life to live. But God knows that I'm just trying to survive. Well, Jesus himself tells us, tells you, that there is something worth more than the world you're trying to conquer. There is something worth more than all the world put together. Do you know what that is? In the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says to you, to us, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And forfeit his soul. That's right. There is something, something worth more than the entire world put together. And what is that? Well, it's your soul. It's your soul. Some people refer to it as your spirit, but I'm going I'm to keep going and talk about it as your soul. Now, the question comes to mind, if Jesus is telling us that your soul, your soul, your, your soul, that your living soul is worth more than the entire world put together, we've got to ask the question, why? What makes our soul worth so much? Well, to understand what makes our soul worth so much, we need to understand what makes us human first. What makes us human? Well, what makes us a human, like a human being, is a physical body and a soul. Again, a soul. Now, some, again, some people refer to it as a soul and spirit, but for, for the purposes of our sermon here, we're going to refer to it as a soul, a soul and body. You have to have a body, a physical body, and you have to have a soul in that body. That's what makes you who you are, human, a human being. Next, we have to be able to measure. We, we want to measure your body, your physical body, and your soul by their eternal qualities. What is your physical body and your soul worth? We measure them by, uh, by their eternal qualities, by eternity. The Bible tells us that our soul will never die. Our soul will never die. God created our soul to live forever. Now, we were born at a certain point in history, at a certain time. But everyone's soul will live for the rest of eternity. Regardless whether you go to heaven or hell, you're going to live for the rest of your soul will live for the rest of eternity. Our physical bodies will die someday. They will die someday. Our physical bodies will perish. They will become dust again. 
But again, our soul will live forever. Why does our physical body die and our soul lives forever? Why does that happen? Well, people die because of what is called in the Bible, referred to in the Bible as original sin. Original sin, the disobedience of our foreparents, our, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God had warned this first couple, Adam and Eve, that transgressing his law, being disobedient, would, would uh, result in their death. Now, sometimes even Christians think that, that God was just talking about their physical death, but he was talking about their spiritual death too, both deaths. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they, they died, so to speak. The wages of death is sin. The process of the deterioration of the body began and to the point of sin. Now, we've heard this before. But I want you to continue to listen to what's going on and what's happening as God works on your heart. Physical death is referred to in the Bible as our first death, our first death. That is just the first step in total death. Physical death is referred to as our first death. Our first death is not the end of, the, of our lives. Our spirit is still here. Our spirit is still alive. The only thing that ends is this physical body dies. Again, it, turn, it turns to dust. It deteriorates. Our soul is placed in a, uh, for a time, our soul is placed for a time in what is commonly referred to as an intermediate state of being. An intermediate state of being, a sleep, maybe, sleep-like state. But our soul continues to live. It gets worse. It gets worse. Our eternal souls will eventually be condemned. What Holy Scripture calls the second death. The condemnation of our eternal souls will eventually be condemned by God himself. That is referred to again as the second death. Jesus himself talks about both the first and second death in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He says this. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Who's the only being? Who's the only person that could do something like that? God is the only one that can do something like that. In our sinfulness, our souls, all of our souls, will eventually be condemned to the second death. Sent to an eternal fire prepared for the, to, for the devil and his angels. Our only hope is the one whose birth we celebrate right now. We're celebrating right now. He is our only hope. The good news that's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came down from heaven to rescue our soul. Now, how does, how does Christ do that? How does Christ rescue our soul? Well, he pays the ransom for our soul. He, he pays the penalty that was assessed to us, to you, for sin. He pays the eternal crime against God. Now, 
How does this come about? How do we partake in this gracious gift of eternal life? Well, our soul must be saved. Now, for our soul to be saved, for your soul to be saved, there has to be two supernatural births that took place for this to happen. Two supernatural births took place, or will take place, for our soul to be saved. The first one was the incarnation of the Son of God. The incarnation of the Son of God. There is no more supernatural event than that. The Son of God coming down from heaven. The second one is the regeneration or rebirth of God's people. The regeneration or rebirth of God's people. Two supernatural events that must happen to you. One of them's already happened. The second must happen for your soul to be saved. Let's talk, let's talk about the first incarnation, the incarnation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The term incarnation means that Jesus, the Son of God, took on human flesh. He took on human flesh. Jesus humbled himself. He humiliated himself to become a human being. He, he be, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, as Scripture says. Jesus was born a human. He was born of a virgin. Jesus, the Son of God, was carried in Mary's womb nine months. The Son of God was carried in his mother's womb nine months before, he, before she gave birth to him. And then he was a newborn baby. Listen, there, again, there's no grander supernatural event that takes place and this hypostatic union theologians call it hypostatic because we have the son of god in all his glory humiliating himself and becoming a baby and being in the womb of a mom and then being born and when he is born he is fully human he's a he's a fully human being flesh and blood just like you but he's also fully God. He is also fully God. The two natures are joined together in one person, Jesus, the God-man. Further, in his humiliation for being human, again, Jesus was a baby. He had to be cared for. He had to be fed. He had to be, he had to be changed. His mom had to take care of him. Just like a baby. He had to be protected as he was growing up. He had to be taught the things that a child is taught as he grows, as he continues to grow. He had to sleep. He had to eat. He had to drink water. He had to do all the things that humans have to do to survive. Jesus, because he was human, had human emotions. He could feel joy. He could feel sorrow. He could feel anger. He could feel pain. And he could sustain injury. He could bleed. He could bleed. He was a human. So why? Why would the Son of God do this? Why would he do this? Well, the purpose of the incarnation of God, God being made man, 
was not so God could taste food and know what it tastes like, or maybe do the other things that we think about. The Son of God became flesh in order that we be saved, in order to save humanity. Remember, who was it that sinned against God? It was a human that sinned against the Almighty. So who, and they were assessed this penalty. You were assessed this, the penalty for the crime. The wages of sin is death. So who, so, so he had to become a human to pay this debt, he, to pay this debt for us, for all who believe in him. It was necessary for, for Christ, or Jesus, to become a human, to be born under the law, the, the law of God, the same law that con- condemned Adam and Eve, the same law that condemns us because we cannot fulfill it. He had to, he had to be born under the same law, but he does fulfill it. He fulfills it for us on our, on our behalf. It was also necessary for the Savior to shed blood, to shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Hebrews 9.22, in his sinless state, he, he, he laid his life down for your sake, for our sake. For the forgiveness of our sins, that's what we know is the cross. We also know that he was raised from the dead on the third day. So now let us look at the second supernatural birth. The second supernatural birth spoken about in the Bible is regeneration or being born again. That is a supernatural act. When I say supernatural, it is of God. It is, that's an act of God that involves you and me, or anyone who is to be saved. The regeneration of God's people. The word regeneration means rebirth, to be, to be born again. Rebirth, again, is supernatural. It's a supernatural, it's a spiritual rebirth. We heard Nicodemus say, how can I be put back into my mother's womb? That was a physical birth. This is a spiritual birth, a rebirth from heaven that comes from God himself. This results in our being made alive, in our souls being made alive spiritually. Being regenerated, born again, is a radical change. It is a radical change in your life. People that you talk to, you know, that say they've been born again, but they look the same. Nothing's changed in their life. Well, we, you know, we pray for them because how can God enter your soul and you don't change? That is impossible. How can a mighty God, the Lord of the creator of heaven and earth, enter your soul and you do not change? And then you set him aside and you just do what you want to do. How can that happen? That's impossible. It cannot happen. That is what's called being born again. It is a radical thing. It's a radical change. Being born again means that you're Christian. You're a Christ follower. See, unfortunately, the reason that there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be Christian and misunderstandings and mistakes about being Christian. Now, I'm just going to name a couple of them off to you and just see if you can relate to somebody that might, that might be like this. But there are some that believe that, that Christianity is just a matter of understanding the doctrine, the doctrine of the gospel, the doctrine of Christianity, to understand the doctrine. They, 
they, they, they read it, they, they get to understand it, and, and they're able to even speak it. And they can even tell you they believe it. But they think that's it. You just to understand it, that's, that's, that's being a Christian. That's being born again. Others might believe that Christianity is just a matter of one's action, one's duty, uh, somebody's duty to do the things, the holy things that you're supposed to do. You do all the holy duties that God requires of you. You're obedient. You pray. You do all the things to be holy, to be saved. You do all the work that's involved to be a Christian. All the duties. You may even go to church sometimes. You may pray sometimes when the need arises. Others, still others, put on their Christianity. They put their Christianity on how they feel. Do they feel it? Do they feel like a Christian? Do they feel like they're saved? Do they feel it? It's an emotional experience. If they don't have this emotional experience, they don't believe they're saved. They don't believe they're Christian. So they lay everything on that, on that experience. And some days when they don't feel it, they think, well, maybe God's mad at me. They, they tie everything to this pleasure, this feeling, and they convince themselves that they're truly saved. And they think that's being a Christian, that's, that's being born again. See, these ideas about Christianity are not accurate. They're not an accurate representation of what it means to be truly saved. See, at best, everything I just spoke about, at best, those are shadows of living a Christian life. At best, they're shadows of living a Christian life. The best definition of being a Christian is what uh, theologian Henry Skugel wrote centuries ago. Henry Scrooge wrote this about being a Christian. He said, Christianity is a union of the soul with God. It is a real impartation of the divine nature. It is the image of God sketched into your soul. Again, being born again means that the life the, the life of the living God comes upon you, on, on your soul. Comes on your soul. That's what it means to be born again. To be born again is an action of God. Like we read just a little while ago, the wind that Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus how the Holy Spirit works. And, and, and Nicodemus is trying to understand it. And, and Jesus says, this Holy Spirit's like the wind. We don't know where it comes or where it goes. When you're saved, when you're born again, God, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you and the life of the living God comes upon your soul. And you're saved. You're saved with that. True generation. Being born again means the life of the living God has come upon your soul. It is a divine life in us. Do you feel that there's a divine life in you right now? There is. There is. Well, and sometimes we suppress it. Some, sometimes we don't think, well, maybe, maybe I'm just dreaming. But you're not. If you're born again, it is a real thing. This can only happen through regeneration. Like Jesus tells Nicodemus, truly, truly, I tell you, unless you are born again, unless he is born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That 
which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit, the Holy Spirit of God himself, is spirit. This is the love that God has for us. God the Father gave us his son to be born human, to do the work that he called us to do and obey God's law perfectly for the redemption of our sins as he lays his life down for us. God the Holy Spirit that comes upon us for new birth, for regeneration, rebirth. By this, you become a new person. See, if it's talking about rebirth and being born again, being born from above, being born again, that means you become a new person. And sometimes as you grow as a new person, you're like an infant. You're just, get, you're just feeling your way around. You're just trying to, to understand what's going on. You're maturing in your spiritual walk with God. That is called sanctification. You're growing in your relationship with God. You're growing in this new life. And so when somebody calls you on something you did years ago or before you were born again, hey, that was the old Manny. He's dead. His sin that you're talking about, you're right, has been forgiven. God shed God blood for that sin. And I am a new creation. I'm a new person in Christ now. And so now I live for his glory because he lives in me. He lives in me. What, what a wonderful God we have. See, that's why we celebrate Christmas. What, what a wonderful thing God has done for us, for you. That's the question. That's the question. Do you believe? Do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's true? Do you believe that by grace you have been saved through faith and that it is not your own doing, it is a gift of God? Do you believe that? That's some powerful, that's some powerful stuff. That's some powerful words. Because believing that means you're ready for eternity. Now, it doesn't mean you want eternity to happen right now, but it means you're ready for it. And it also changes this side of heaven for you, this side of eternity for you, and living the glorious life. But the question goes back is, do you believe it? And, and, and so some of us may ask ourselves, how can, I, how can I make sure? How can I be sure that I'm born again? How can I be sure, Manny? I don't, I don't know. I have bad days. I had a bad day today. A really bad day today. I, every, th- every time I turned around, something went wrong. Something went wrong. And then I got mad at my wife and I kicked the dog. I love Jesus and I know he saved me, but golly, how do I know for sure? Well, God says that he would not allow anyone to perish. No one, he says that he, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him in repentance. How do we know? Well, he's called you. He's called you. You know he's called you. It's just a matter of you answering. Have you answered? If you've answered, Jesus is called. He's told you to come to him. Come to him. He'll give you rest. The rest of knowing that you have eternal life. You've heard those calls. Have you answered? Have you answered those calls? And if you have answered, then you take it on faith. You receive it by faith. You You were saved. That's a promise that God gives you. It changes your life. If if you've answered the call, that means you're in Christ. And you know what God's word says? 
then it says that God then places eternity in your heart. Coming to Christ, answering the call, being born again, allowing the Spirit, receiving this Holy Spirit upon you, where the living God comes upon your soul. God says that he has placed eternity in your heart. What a wonderful God. What an amazing thing that you will spend all eternity with the Lord and his kingdom and the kingdom of God. So what do you do now? You believe it. You believe it. And serve him and worship him and rejoice in him as you grow in this new person. See, you're a new person. You're getting used to this new, new soul that, that, that has been blessed with eternal life. And you go forth by denying yourself and picking up your cross and following Christ. That's what you do. That's what we do. But that's what we resist. That's what we resist. Following Christ means every day, all the time. Everything is for his glory. Everything you do is for his glory. Every moment you try that you think, you think of him. Doing even the mundane things in your life, you pray to him. And you thank him for the blessings he's given you. Even when you have a bad day and you forget your bag before you come to worship that had your Bible in it, you rejoice because God the living God is in your soul. If you're not in Christ, well, this is a, that's not a good thing. You are going to experience the first death and the second death. And the second death is going to be horrible. It is a place where Jesus says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, it's punishment. It is a dark place. It is a place that we don't want to go to. It is a place for those who are in Christ will never see. They'll never see it. Never see it. But let me tell you, especially today, Christmas Eve, as we get ready to celebrate the birth of Christ, it's not too late to turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Repent. That's what it means. Repent. Turn away from your sins. Turn to Christ and be saved. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to rescue your soul. Let's pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.